of the unique features of the Living Church of Jesus Christ is its ever-expanding body of fundamental spiritual knowledge about man's identity and purpose, which enlarges the memory of this people. Scripture declares that ye should consider on the blessed and happy state of those that keep the commandments of God. For behold, they are blessed in all things, and if they hold out faithful to the end, they are received into heaven and dwell with God in a state of never-ending happiness. We come having prayed and prepared. For many of us, there are pressing worries and earnest questions. We want to renew our faith in our Savior Jesus Christ strengthen our ability to resist temptation and avoid distractions. We come to be taught from on high. The purpose of this and every general conference is to help us to hear him. Welcome to episode 16 of Conference Talk. Yes, we're here and we're excited. It's been a long time, I feel like. Um, yeah, not that long, but I mean, it's been a, it's been a week exactly since our last podcast with Miss, Ms. Jenny Pfeiffer. Yep. That was a good one. Go listen to it. Go check it out. I actually, that was the first uh, conference talk that I've actually like listened to within the same week that we did it. Mm. I went back and listened to it on like midway through the week. And there's some really good insights in there. We appreciate her so much. Yeah. Today is a little bit different because we are covering three talks. So originally, for those youth speakers in the same session of conference, we doubled down. We did, you know, uh, I kind of discussed the young man's talk, Enzo, and you discussed... Loudy's talk, yeah. Yep. But today we are dis- we are giving an overview and really just discussing um, the three talks given by the first presidency in this mm-hmm. session, which is of course President Eyring, President Oaks, and President Nelson. Yep. So I just want to start in order. Oh, I wanted to I wanted to share with our listeners because I, here's the thing: we know some people that listen, but over the last few weeks, some of y'all have like messaged me and told me that you've been listening to our podcast, and I love that. Like, I love getting those messages and knowing who we're talking to because now I know like Abby is listening and I know Melanie is listening. And so these are people that I've came across in my life and we've known each other and um, it's just cool to know. So I really encourage our listeners to message us on Facebook or Instagram and really tell us like what, what we're doing well, what we can do better and maybe what you even enjoy about it because we love it. Like I love it. Because right now we're just looking at each other. (laughs) And so I don't really know who listens or when you listen or what you think. So I love hearing it um, from everybody. So I encourage you all to reach out. Before we start, I just had to throw that out there. Anyway. For sure. Yeah. I uh, We love the feedback. We love that interaction. And um, we do get a lot of it. 
Yeah. But uh, more can't hurt. Right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, first talk up is President Eyring, Henry B. Eyring, and it is called He Goes Before Us. And um, this was like probably one of my favorite talks to read this week out of the three. Not saying that like it's better than anything, but it was one of my favorites up there. And I mm -hmm. think it was my favorite because while I was reading it, I took so many like highlights and notes. And I realized that the theme that kept occurring to me throughout his whole talk was just the fact of preparation mm -hmm. and how the Lord really does prepare us, I guess, like as a church, but also individually. I kept thinking about like my life and, and the small things that have led to certain things. So it was just really cool. But my overall takeaway was preparation. And I thought it was really, 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 really good. And we can dive into it. But do you have any thoughts, Kev? No. Go ahead and uh, dive into your initial thoughts and 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 I'll okay. I'll, I'll keep up. So, okay. So um the first thing I want to point out, Kevin and I talked about this this week, I believe, but right away in the beginning, he says, um, because this conference was given in the, like right at the very beginning, essentially of the pandemic. And um, it says whether it will be unforgettable, like talking about the conference, it says whether it will be unforgettable depends on each one of us. And he says, that matters to me because the experience of preparing for this conference has changed me in a way that I want to last. And then that really sets the tone for the rest of his talk because he goes, let me explain what I mean by this. And um, we were talking this week just about how it's up to us to, I guess, continue to change and not go back to the ways that we maybe were before. And I think that's important to remember because it really is like we are responsible for ourselves and what we do. And as soon as we acknowledge that we are responsible for that, we can then acknowledge that the Lord is helping us. <laughs> and when the Lord is helping us, we can do miraculous things to stay changed and continue to change. We can't just do it by ourselves, but we have to do it with the help of um, our Savior, Jesus Christ, right? And that's what helps, hopefully, I'm assuming, President Eyring be able to stay this way and continue to last this way and through the rest of his life here on earth, but also for eternity. And so it's really cool to, if you think about yourself in that position, that where you are today does not need to be where you are tomorrow because you can change and anything that you learned Yesterday, you can take with you today and make it last, but it's up to you to do that, right? With the help of our Heavenly Father and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I really, I really like that. And there's two, two things that I wanted to add. One of which is, you know, we're listening to President Eyring, who's just a total stud. He's been an apostle for so long. He's been in right. uh, these two uh, first presidencies. And we were sitting there saying like, wait, he's, he's still learning. Like he's still progressing. He's preparing for a general conference and is changed by that. 
and he's like he's adamant about wanting to stay that way mm-hmm. and so it's 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 kind of remarkable uh to to consider his humility and it just shows that we are always learning and progressing here on earth no matter what we have done uh hitherto now that kind of leads me into another thought of when we think of the gospel of Jesus Christ changing us, like you said, Shel, um, we have to choose to let it change us initially. You know, we have to let the spirit really come into our lives and change Mm -hmm. us. But then we have to continue choosing every day maybe even moment to moment in some situations to stay changed. And, and that's just a, an incredible, it's an incredible testimony to that, that this, this moral life really is that, that trying period, that proving period for us. Right. And so don't let your guard down, Mm -hmm. like make that decision every day and make it, before you're confronted with tough things, with, with hard things. Yeah. And I love, I love your thoughts. I like, I like the phrase, keep your guard up or don't let it down. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I like that. I want to continue on with the talk if that's okay. Um, it says, cause he says, let me explain, you know, why I want the change to last. And he, in his preparation for conference, it took him to a record of an event in the restoration that he had read many times before. And this restoration or this event that he's talking about was um, on April 3rd, 1836 in the Kirtland, Ohio temple, seven days before it was dedicated. Um, And this is where the Lord um, accepted the house at this temple, the house of the Lord, he, he accepted it. And it's recorded in the Doctrine and Covenant section 110. And I highlighted, um, so him, Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery um, were in solemn and silent prayer. And then this is when the vision opened. And the very first record or record that we have of it says the veil was taken from our minds and the eyes of our understanding were opened. And I highlighted that and I put eyes can understand and perceive Um, because that is how we, we look and we see and we can perceive and discern and all these things. Right. Um, And it also related to president Oaks. I mean, not Oaks, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know why I was going to say Cook, but it is President Oak. This linked over to me for President Oak's talk when he is talking about, now his talk is about the priesthood, so bear with me, but he does talk about how if we listen to messages of truth about eternity, he uses the example of our eye and that the eye being single to the glory is receiving eternal light and knowledge and when it comes in through our eyes, then we, our whole body is filled with light and vice versa. If you're looking at things that are not um, filling you with light, then your kind of body can be filled with darkness. And so it clicked over for me here that 
it's important, a key to staying changed is to keeping our eyes single to the glory of God and having our whole body filled with light. Um, and that's what happened with Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery in the Kirtland Temple. Their eyes were open to this holier and higher way of thinking and seeing the Lord and all these people appear to them in, in a vision and, you know, accept the house and commit the keys of the kingdom to the kingdom to them. And it was just very interesting to me that our eyes can keep us. They can keep us on the path or they can take us away from the path. Mm. And that really everything we take in is either through, our, you know, one of our five senses. But our eyes, we we see a lot every day. We see a lot on our phones. We see a lot on the TV. We see a lot of people just interacting in the world, on the road, at work. We see a lot, but what are we letting come into our lives and fill? Are we letting our bodies be filled with the light or be filled with maybe some gray areas and get a little dark, you know? So I just really liked that phrase in, in this account and I, and I really liked it. So I wanted to talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. No, that's a good that's a good tie-in to both talks yeah and then of course that event in the history of the restoration um just monumental it fulfilled right many prophecies um elijah the prophet returned and and delivered those keys uh which apparently were in his possession to joseph smith and that way, the the work of redeeming the dead and and se- securing those who had passed on um, their their essential ordinances could be completed here on the earth. And that's where preparation comes in for me, because the Lord obviously had His hand; He has His hand over this whole earth and everybody on it, and. Anyone who has passed on, will pass on, or is yet to be born, he knows what is to come. And there's a quote later on, and it says, uh, he says, I came to see more clearly the power of the Lord to lead in detail his disciples in his work. Mm -hmm. And in detail, to me, is those small and simple things that took place for these miraculous events to occur in the restoration, right? Right. And... If he is in detail of that, I mean, look at the details in your lives because they're there. I promise you there is the Lord is very involved in the details of your life. And when we get to heaven, I think we're going to look back and realize actually how involved he was on these things. So and that's where I got the whole preparation theme for this talk, because I highlighted little phrases like, the time has fully come, a step-by-step plan, like all of that was in preparation um, for the fullness of times today. And there's still small details and step-by-step plans that occur today because we know the restoration is ongoing. Right. A good example of an ongoing restoration of all things Mm -hmm. and uh, I guess just general progression is something that President Eyring talked about, which is the, I guess, the development of the Family Search website, mm-hmm. familysearch.org, right? Yeah. And so, you know, 
the the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has always been, uh, since its founding, a record-keeping church. And the people who are members of the church are record-keeping people. And, you know, genealogy and personal histories are just so important, um, largely because we know that that we have to gather everyone together. Everyone has to be linked and sealed. And so, and it's good to, it's fun to know about people. And that's the whole emergence of genealogical work and the excitement that the world has about it is a result of the spirit of Elijah, mm-hmm. as it's kind of colloquially, colloquially uh, referred to. And that's why we have like Ancestry.com and mm-hmm. uh, 20, 23andMe. Yeah. Right. I think it's called just stuff like that, where it's like my heritage. Why do we why do we care? Why do we care about these things? And some people think it's just idle curiosity. It's not. It's it really brings a sense of purpose. Right. And understanding into your life. Um, I've had many experiences where I'm like, wow, these people were real. A like I've found a name before and thought, wow, that was way too easy to find. There's no way this person's actually real. I must have made a mistake. And then I go take that name to the temple. And it's very clear by the spirit that that person is real and is accepting of this work. And it's just, it's amazing. Um, It's just an amazing spirit that you feel when you get involved in that work. Because you want to know more. We as humans want to know and have a purpose here on earth. And I don't care what you say, but we all want to feel um, wanted and needed and loved in some way. Mm-hmm. And family history, the Lord knows everything. Like you're saying, family history is that way to find your purpose and understand why you're here and what people did before you, you know, your, ans- your ancestors. And all of that work is, it's great, but it would be to no avail without the keys of the priesthood. And that kind of segues into Elder Oaks. Old Elder or well President Oaks yeah, talk proper. I do want to say one more thing before I move on from Elder Irings. Sure. My favorite thing in phrase in this whole talk. So the very end, well towards the very end, it says, The Lord saw it all coming. He planned for it step by step as he had done with other changes in his church. And if you scroll down, it says he is firm in the timing and the sequence of his intentions, yet he ensures the sacrifice often brings continual, continuing blessings that we did not foresee. And I love that because the Lord does see it all coming. And for this to even exist and have a way, the priesthood had to be in place. So Kevin, take us to Elder Oaks. <laughs> so the talk is entitled the Melchizedek priesthood and the keys. Mm-hmm. And I guess just, uh, is, I don't know. I, President Oaks goes into a lot of detail, <laughs> detail to kind of set the stage for his talk. But a few things that he mentions, which were, you know, very profound, um, and, and maybe some of us know this, some of us, would, you know, they we hear it and we're like, oh, yeah, I knew that. 
but do we really do we treat it with you know how how we should um he says the priesthood is a divine power and authority held in trust to be used for god's work for the benefit of all his children priesthood is not those who have been ordained to the priesthood office or those who exercise its authority men who hold the priesthood are not the priesthood mm. while we should not refer to ordained men as the priesthood it is appropriate to refer to them as holders of the priesthood and when i was being taught the missionary lessons and considering joining the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints something that was really remarkable to me was was the idea that the the priesthood had been restored to the earth and that men um could could hold the priesthood to exercise in the authority of the priesthood and they didn't have to be like um they didn't have to go to school necessarily <laughs> for it they didn't have to right. you didn't buy it with either money or time you really were just you know if you have desires to do the work or if you have desires to serve god you're called to the work right. to quote the lord in many doctrine and covenants verses so i was really impressed by that and of course when i was uh baptized confirmed and then subsequently ordained as a priest in the Aaronic priesthood i was kind of blown away i was like wow this is really serious this is really important and it did it changed me however i like president iring i wanted that to that change to stay like i wanted to stay changed mm -hmm. and there are things that you have to do to stay changed by spiritual experiences and when you receive callings and when you're you know if you're uh, a man you're ordained to an office in the priesthood and so because it's easy to fall back and backslide and you may you may think well i i'm still a holder of the priesthood but we know that if you if you behave unrighteously if you don't honor the priesthood which you hold then it'll be taken away from you mm -hmm. right and so there's yeah. just a lot of things like that and it's good to be reminded of that because i think sometimes we i mean i know myself i've i've said before oh yeah the priesthood <laughs> the men like a right, girl's referring camp. to yeah like referring to not not i'd be like oh the priesthood's here like meaning oh, so yeah. if i was at girls camp and the men who came to you know be there that night to watch out mm -hmm. for the bears you know all that stuff <laughs> yeah like, oh the priesthood's here but i mean and i did that i mean we were, we've all been guilty of calling men the priesthood but this talk really enlightened me to saying you know he's a holder of the priesthood and and i think it's just about that casual versus careful mindset right. it's not that you are you know you're right. you're condemned for, for, saying that. for saying that and referring to men uh you know in the ward as the priesthood or priesthood quorum you know it's like that's a just to understand what you're calling them you're calling them the holders of the priesthood 
and that the authority in which they they act mm -hmm. is from God. It belongs to him. Right. It just brings in, when you say holders of the priesthood, it puts a lot of perspective mm. into them because then it's not so much, oh, I need a blessing from so-and-so. It's, I need a blessing from a holder of the priesthood because it's the same right. priesthood for everybody. You know? Now, President Oaks does go and talk about these, the importance of priesthood blessings in the family. Yeah. And operations of the priesthood from a father mm -hmm. and he does he he makes some some pretty interesting comments about how fathers who hold the priesthood you know they they exercise the authority of the priesthood in their own own homes and they don't necessarily have to cons um, counsel with their priesthood leaders how they do that um and that includes you know giving blessings holding meetings family prayer and study things like that which which and then he goes on to say that the 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 work of the church you may have it actually underlined but mm -hmm. he talks about how is it the if fathers yes. would magnify their priesthood? Correct. Okay. So the quote says, I hope it's right. Or do you want to read it? I found it. Oh, okay. If fathers would magnify their priesthood in their own family, it would further the mission of the church as much as anything else might do. Anything else they might do. Yes. And that's just really, that's, that's really strong statement because we always think, well, I always think, I shouldn't lump everyone in here, but I always think of the church progressing forward as like, oh, it's just this, it's a missionary effort. It's a, the leaders of the church effort, but it puts a lot of responsibility and accountability on the individual priesthood mm -hmm. holder, as well as the family unit right? to like, hey, let's get this moving. Let's, let's do it. And we've seen that in our own experience, like with the youth, mm -hmm. right? Those youth who have these stronger parents mm -hmm. who are obviously doing that work, putting the work in at home, you can definitely tell by the way their children shine mm -hmm. in church. Right. It's very true. There's, um, it says that the priesthood in the home when you exercise authority, you do it by persuasion, by long suffering, by gentleness and meekness and by love unfeigned. And so it's not this, it's not supposed to be this, everybody gather in the living room at six o'clock sharp because we have scripture study and we all have to read one verse each and share your, like, it's not like that. It's, right. <laughs> it's meant to be, it's meant to be with love and understanding and it's something that should be natural. You know, um, and as a wife, if you're supporting your husband, I mean, there's no reason that you can't, you know, for example, uh, Kevin and I don't have kids, but say one night he's been really busy at work or something had going on with his calling and, and he forgot to gather everyone in the living room to say prayer or something, right? 
that is not just solely Kevin's responsibility because I'm acting. I mean, I'm sealed to him. And I can also say, everyone gather up for prayer. Like, it's not just solely a man's responsibility. It can also be a child. Mom, we forgot to say prayer. Oh, thank you so much. Like, everyone come around. You know, like, it's a family thing. And yes, the man does hold the office of the priesthood, but the whole family benefits from it and can act under that authority and and. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what yeah. I'm trying to say. No, I do. Let's let's take this to a real world example. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully this this is relatable to or at least understandable. So in my work, like in my day job as a manager of a restaurant or a business, mm-hmm. I'm not I don't want to have to do everything and I don't expect to have to do everything. There are things that I expect my staff as part of the team to, to pay attention to. So for example, when the kiddo reminds the parents of prayer, uh, that only, that only, uh, proves how on point the leadership in the family is, which is the parents. Hmm ideally. Right. Right. So if I'm at work and I'm there busy doing one task or one thing, and then I see that one of my team is over there and they, they notice something and they need, they go ahead and and take care of it. Right. I, I extol them. Mm -hmm. Right. I say, wow, great job. Good, good looking out for that. Right. But anyone else looking around should understand like, well, yeah, they, they're doing a great job. And, it's likely because they have a good leader who has taught them and nurtured them and, and then praised them right. again and again to do it. So the, the priesthood in the home should be cultivated by all members of the family. Right. Just be, and yet the, the father and the, the men in that household may be that righteous example of how priesthood holders should act. Um, it doesn't fall all on their shoulders to do everything. And it also is not all of their credit, all to their credit, right. because everyone has their own agency. Everyone gets to choose to honor the priesthood in the home. Yeah. And, and the last example I want to give of that is when the COVID-19 pandemic hit and things were very unsure in the beginning, like I didn't know whether it was even safe to go to the grocery store, you know, um, Kevin was very in tune with the spirit, but I really wanted a blessing. And like literally, as I was about to say, can I have a blessing? He says, would you like a blessing? And that was just, that was just really cool. That was just an example of the priesthood working in the home, right? Because I would hope that it stays like as long as you nurture and you do the things you should and work for it. Um, it should stay that way, even through having children where children are okay to come up to you and say, Hey dad, I need a blessing. Or you're in tune enough that you walk into their room and you're like, would you like a blessing? You know, that we should be using them more frequently. So elder Oaks to me gave a phenomenal talk about the priesthood and there is so many things in here that we definitely overlooked oh um, for sure there's there's because he goes into very great detail about what ordinances are 
and just all these things. Yeah, he even differentiates between the Aaronic and Melchizedek priesthood. Right. And, and anyone who's fuzzy on the history of the priesthood or, or you know, fine, fine details of the priesthood, definitely check it out and then follow the links to other, like the sections of Doctrine and Covenants that he quotes. But, um, and if we may, we go on to President Russell Nelson opening the heavens for help, which how do you think we open them? We open them through the priesthood, dude. We exercise our, our authority and you hold the office and, you know, like we, we call on heaven's help because the priesthood is what links us forever. Yeah. Finds us. The, 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 the ceiling. Well, yeah, the ordinances, but they're done through the priesthood. Right. A hundred percent. You know, he he really gives all as as all men of God do. He gives that credit to God, to the Holy Ghost, to Jesus Christ and his atoning sacrifice, all of these things that that are at the core of our worship and need to be in our thoughts at all times. Mm -hmm. And man, he just. It's a pretty, this is an interesting talk because he obviously it's also like an announcement, right? He also, <laughs> he, he, uh, works in an announcement of, I guess the new church logo, mm -hmm. um, which we all now know we've seen it so many times, but it's not necessarily new mm -hmm. as much as it's just a re-emphasis on the savior as well, as the the center of our lives and our worship and, and the church's efforts. Um, I like how earlier President Eyring brought up that vision in which the the Savior stood upon the, the breastwork of the pulpit in the temple in Kirtland, mm -hmm. and he was standing on a, a work of gold. Uh, of gold as, as a fine amber. Let, let me, let me actually go find it, <laughs> find it here. So quoting from the 110th section of the doctrine and covenants says, we saw the Lord standing upon the breastwork of the pulpit before us and under his feet was a paved work of pure gold in color like amber and what is jesus christ standing on in this new logo show he's standing on the cornerstone of yeah. the church yeah the, uh, that's true it symbolizes a, the cornerstone of the church mm -hmm. which christ being the chief cornerstone right and it has the name of the church mm -hmm. and i just I'm not saying that it's doctrine that that's, ex but what is that symbol of like this paved work of gold uh, in color, like Amber, this like precious thing that he's standing on. And I just believe that it's, it's like some sort of symbolic um, or representation of the church and of its glory and potential. And so it's just interesting. Well, there is a lot of symbolism in this 
there is. new symbol because even he he says that because if you haven't seen it um christ is holding out his hands it's a christus statue he's standing on like basically a a box or the cornerstone that says the church of jesus christ Latter-day saints and then around him is an arc an arch not an arc <laughs> and um the arc he says arch oh my goodness can i not say arch and arc okay anyway the arch reminds us of the resurrected savior um coming out of the tomb on the third day and i thought that was cool too and i bet if we sat here and had a discussion we could find a lot more symbolism in this symbol um the spirit would definitely teach us that'd be a cool little activity or study to do yeah I mean, the, the statue of the Christus um, was brought up earlier in Bishop Taos, or I'm not sure how to, we never figured out how to pronounce his name, but the presiding bishop of the church, he spoke of a, an event in which the Christus statue confirmed to a man not of our faith that, hey, these people are followers of Christ. So right. that's pretty important. Like, this makes it clear that members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are followers of Christ. It's what it's all about. And that's exactly what President Nelson said. Mm -hmm. He said it will remind all that this is a Savior's Church and that all we do as members of His Church centers on Jesus Christ and His Gospel. Yeah. And at, he also, okay, so he does the symbol. He talks about that. But he also goes into talking about fasting and um, the law of the fast and invites everybody to fast for the COVID-19 pandemic in the whole world again, yeah. which was funny because he did that at the beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> okay, And Kevin and I, I want to be real with y'all, we did not fast at the beginning. Or did you do it and I not do it? No, what the the full story, this is not an excuse as to why we didn't, because oh. when the prophet asks you to do something, you should do it. You should do it because the oh, Lord yeah, is asking. Now, yeah. So we had just fasted. I think of for, our own volition. Yeah. Like, like, we felt prompted. To. We felt prompted to fast for something. And so then the very next week or so, he, uh, President Nelson, invited everyone of all faiths to join in a multi-faith, like worldwide fast for the COVID-19 pandemic. And, and, and like for the economy and for employers and all this stuff and for individuals. And we're there and we're like, we didn't say it at the time, but we're thinking. And, if, and again, this is before conference that he did that. And we're, we're like, well, we already kind of did it, so we're good. <laughs> yeah, but then. And then. So we don't do it. We don't right? do it. And then President Nelson in this session of conference, this is like, this is so representative of the Savior and the, the forgiveness and like second chance. Because this was a second chance for us to, hey, let's repent yeah. and do what the prophet asks us to do. And sure enough. I mean, we, did we did follow it. the counsel and the commandment that time. And but, we fasted but for man, the don't, pandemic. This is, this is to all of us. Don't wait for that <laughs> second invitation. Just do it on the first. Yeah. That's my advice. Um, 
It's just like when you get a prompting from the spirit, act on the first prompting. Don't hesitate. But he, he then, you know, he invites us to fast and he talks about how we fast and that we should, you know, we should do it. Well, he says Good Friday would be the perfect day to have our Heavenly Father and his son hear us because the whole conference they've been talking about hearing him, but they hear us as we fast. Right. And then he he ends his talk. And I just thought it was beautiful. And I just remember thinking, I mean, we heard from President Nelson a lot in this conference, and okay. I'm glad we did because there's been, especially when prophets um, start declining in their health, they don't talk as often. And so usually when a new prophet is sustained and maybe, I mean, all these men are, you know, fairly old, but they speak a lot more, I feel like, at the beginning of their um, calling as the prophet of the Lord. And then I like, I, I basically what I'm trying to say is I enjoy hearing from President Nelson so often. Yeah. In conference. So. For sure. So that wraps up our, um, what is this? Sa Saturday evening session? Yeah. Yeah. We only got one more session or uh, excuse me, one more day, but two sessions. Yeah. Which we're, I don't know if we've told y'all, but we are going to have people um, help us out with that because we have too many talks to cover yeah. <laughs> by the next time conference comes around because that is so soon. It's in like, what, a month and a half? We have yeah, the rest like of August and September, and then it's like literally the first week in October. So, yeah. so you're going to get to hear some recordings of our good friends. Sharing and, their thoughts. And they're sharing their thoughts about talks and It'll be kind of like a bonus because in those same weeks, we're still planning on doing our normal right. normal talks. And odds are we're going to have to double down on at least one or two. Um, well, I guess maybe two or three. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a labor of love. It is a labor of love. And I know that these men whose talks that we discussed today – they really are called of God. I know that the church of Jesus Christ has been restored here on the earth. And you can know too. I invite you to strengthen your testimony, to cultivate your testimony um, wherever you're at. And there's more that we can do in our families and in our, in our church, uh, our wards, right? And the Lord would be so happy to help us learn and discover what those things are. He'll let us know through, through personal revelation, and we can receive that as long as we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're reading the scriptures, we're praying, and we're just doing our best. Mm -hmm. And uh, I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. I I don't have anything to add. I I feel constrained to not say anything. <laughs> All right. So next week, I guess this coming week, um, you will be hearing from our friend Edward, who is actually he was on he was our very first guest on the Book of Mormon podcast. Little throwback to, I believe it was episode 14. Yes, it was. And he's such a stud. 
and he was willing to to record some thoughts about Elder Rasband's talk entitled Fulfillment of Prophecy. So you can hear that next week. And then you will also hear from Aubriana. Aubriana Rice. Who has also been on our podcast before. Um, and she will be covering the talk that they may see. And so she sent in her thoughts. So you'll get to hear from Edward and Aubriana. And then <laughs> we're going to get to talk about or discuss Jeffrey R. Holland's talk. A perfect brightness of hope. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest, I was sweating. I was sweating when we were giving out talks. Talks. I was like, ooh, somebody's going to snag up Elder Hollins, you know? <laughs> but luckily, <laughs> no one did. Nobody did. We got it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to get the first three talks in the Sunday morning session this next week. So. And you'll still you're get to, I think what we'll do is we'll put together Edwards and Abrianna's talk in one recording so you can go straight through, right? Um, or do you want to do individual? I think oh, let's just, do individual. Let's, yeah, we'll do yeah. it individually. Obviously, it'll be back to back. Right. So if you were listening on a feed, it just goes straight to that next one. And so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes more sense. And then we will be discussing Elder Holland's talk. Yay. And yeah, awesome. Well, thank you for listening. We'll be back. We're always back. <laughs> That's right. All right, y'all. Have a great week, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.